0: You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast.
1: Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit.
0: (laughs) I'm Catherine. I'm Winston.
1: (laughs) We're Live Wild Radio, and tonight we have a special episode that we all uh, quite care about in our very own unique way. This is February. This is also known to some as Mental Health Month. And uh, we want to talk about that tonight.
0: Yeah,
2: because everybody's broken <laughs> in one way or another. That's right.
1: That's how musicians make their money.
0: That's right. It's- and
1: comedians. That's true.
0: So the 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 impetus for this episode came in of you know when we met Alyssa. Big part of what she's doing is trying to destigmatize and mental health issues and give people tools in a sense of help them you know deal with it. And I've dealt with depression most of my life. Uh, I don't know whether it's the the healthiest way to look at it, but I just sort of look at it as it's part of the machine, and sometimes the machine malfunctions. It's the controller of the machine. Yeah. It's like, but unlike, uh, you know, when your shitty Windows computer doesn't work, the the IT department regularly just says, turn it off and turn it back on again, Um, which I guess in a weird way is what sleep is, isn't it? If you sleep well, sure. Yeah. Because sometimes I could go to bed um, very like, n- n- like, despondent. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, none of the world makes sense. And I yeah. wake up in the morning and it's like, uh, I don't know what the big deal was. And you
3: can have the reverse with lack of sleep for sure. Absolutely. Like at least for me, I mean, anxiety is the primary thing I deal with. Although for sure, depression as well. I mean, it's a close cousin, but... I could be feeling great, have a bad sleep, and my anxiety is through the roof the next day for no good reason. Well, there's the, than that, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, true. Well, you
2: could be having
0: anxiety that you didn't get enough sleep the night before.
3: Yeah, that's true too. Or you can
0: have anxiety about sleeping and not get to sleep. Yeah, which I'm as somebody <laughs> who, who's been an insomniac for a long time. Like, and it's funny. Like one of my things that I ran into for a long time now now what I do is to shut my brain off I read and I end up half the time waking up in the morning with my face with drool glued to a page <laughs> <with> the light's <laughs> still on um, but it, there was like almost this this anxiety that if I fell asleep then I would have to deal with tomorrow sooner
3: oh I know mm-hmm. that feeling right yep. so
0: then, I, then I, I ended up having a hard time sleeping and then because you're sleep deprived that has both physically and mentally negative health consequences it's a vicious cycle yeah and you're just sort of you basically end up this sort of spiraling almost down the drain yeah
1: you you really need to deal with whatever you're struggling with internally if it's like in my case i i've struggled with anxiety and, and and also rebuilding my life after a 18 year relationship and now what the fuck right but um the other anxiety i dealt with was in terms of my job stability because my organization was completely Defunded, And I was the only person that was asked to stay on, which still had its struggles. But my point is, is that a lot of the times it can be internal. In my case, I think it is a bit of the environment of what's happening in my life. But how you look at the world. Mm-hmm. So if you never resolve that, you're going to have difficulty sleeping. You're going to have difficulty managing your anxiety because a lot of it's internally driven. That's what I've experienced in my case.
0: Yeah. And I think basically before the we started to record the episode, you know, we talked a little bit um mental health just like general health um is something that that everybody um deals with and should be concerned with mm-hmm. right and then there's when it moves i guess if you want to call it beyond sort of just your day-to-day just good habits that that lead to better outcomes and then there's the mental health or mental illness aspect where just like you know we try to maintain good health so we don't get ill, mm-hmm. right? I think it's the same thing with, with the mental state because um, for myself, one of the ways that I manage my depression is to do all of the things that give me the best chance <laughs> um, to, to um, stave off or manage the effects. Right. Because it never completely goes away, mm-hmm. regardless of how skilled you get at it. Um, so, you know, if, if hopefully um, we can get people thinking about the idea that. If you treat your mental health like you would your physical health. You know, you can't do shitty things to yourself uh, and then expect to never have problems. Um it, it, just as you can't eat shit food and not exercise and expect your body to be uh, operating at 100%. And really, in a sense, because your brain is part of your body, um, you know, they're they're kind of connected. Like, that's oh, some of the things we're going to talk about.
3: They're completely connected. Yeah, things going on with your body, whether it's food, sleep, exercise completely affects your brain and, and vice versa. And I know there's more you want to talk about that later.
4: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I find too. Um, ben Greenfield talks about in his new book that get your he tries to get everybody's mental state in check first because that's a big part of your motivation to go and exercise and challenge yourself and do more. Right? Mm. Well, if you don't even have the energy, mm-hmm. motivation, as well, motivation, you're you can't handle the the normal easy stresses of life. How the fuck are you going to get into the gym and and you know Absolutely. take care of yourself and self care? Hundred percent. So yeah. I think it's probably one of the most important things that people don't, there isn't a strong awareness as there is even for, like, everybody agrees you should be exercising, you know? But people don't talk more about the importance of just general, not only dealing with mental illness, but mental health.
0: Yeah. Well, because I think, at least in my case, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not professionals here. This is just... I'm, I'm an experienced layperson on one subject. <laughs> like when I'm in a subject, I'm not talking about like topic, but I mean one person, right? My own. Um, and there's a case where some people will run into the thing where uh, they do need medical intervention because like literally just like a diabetic um, isn't producing insulin. Um, they may run into a thing where the they, medications will help. Um, uh, personally, when I've been on medications, like antidepressants, it was one of those things like it, it removes your personality, or I felt it did. Like, you know, we never found that sort of uh, uh, perfect combination. So I always worked into the... Uh, thing of more behavioral therapy and and learning coping mechanisms or or management mechanisms um but i was lucky enough not to be in uh, a point where my body had kind of betrayed me to the point where there was no other option okay um so i could you know with, with the help of you know my therapists and things uh and and a lot of research too like I would find there'd be foods I would eat um and then I would go like spiral out
3: what like kind of what, food yeah.
4: yeah uh
0: a lot of like certain fast foods like okay. um uh luckily I'm not like one of these people that's allergic to everything um but and I don't know whether it's an allergy or not but you know and this will be something that I find kind of fascinating like uh, the the research that's happening now on how your gut biome like how your digestive system mm-hmm. works affects your mental health like you know so the uh certain um say carbohydrates like like pure sugar unless i'm doing a ton of exercise to
1: burn it off
0: that that it's burning as i'm eating it um tends to, to create, like, a negative uh, reaction. Um, like, I, I see my mood go down. Like, if I have, you know, and that's why I kind of I avoid candy around the holidays. You know, it's around everywhere. Um, because if I'm not physically doing something, so I'm burning it off, there seems to be some sort of reaction and then you know a couple hours later my mood is way down and part of it is blood sugar levels and everything mm-hmm. but but it's not that I'm I have no energy it's that that my mood has changed right like like my my view of the world you know um, so yeah like there, there there's a lot like it's it, it, in the one hand I find it fascinating um, because the fact that, that uh, our behaviors you know whether it's Food, exercise, you know, there's all this stuff we don't quite understand, right? So anything that we don't understand, to me, is like a fertile ground for, for study. Um, and that part of me uh, basically almost gets excited. <laughs> because, and, and I think that's one of the, the, the big things that a lot of people run into, is that um, we kind of look at our physical health, And mental health, because they're connected, um, as separate from what we eat. Like, yeah, I know for like, you know, uh, I shouldn't eat a lot of hamburgers, you know, or fast food and fried food because it's bad for my heart. Mm -hmm. But it's bad for your head, too. Right? Because your brain is just another organ. But it
2: might, in the moment, make you feel a lot better. Oh, well, that's the dopamine. (laughs) Right. So there's the whole...
3: Thinking. it's interesting how those foods tend to be what we think of as comfort. comfort foods yeah yeah
2: which is instant gratification making feel better in the moment but in the long term is not necessarily gonna help your mental well,
0: yeah and even in the medium term right like there's that there's that uh, I forget what uh, basically um, high fat high sugar foods um, Tend to I think they like you get the dopamine kick in like seven seconds um, So it actually hits you quicker than like heroin does um, and so What we run into is because you know w- dopamine being the reward uh, You know Receptor or whatever. Yeah, is. like uh, uh, we run into the thing that, that the things whether it's you know drugs and, and essentially food is a drug at that point um, or activity, you know, something that gives us that reward. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think we we got the dopamine when we didn't die in caveman times. Right? It's kind of that reward. It's like, ooh, oog did good. Uh, <laughs> survived that lion attack. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we, we... So the behaviors that are um, you know, beneficial to us. And, and probably part of the reason, like, if you could... You get that kick from overeating, right? That dopamine kick. Well, when when food was sparse or sparse, um, overeating, getting that reward, like brain reward, then would have you, you know, oh, I want that again. So then you're going to go for more food. Um, well, now that food is absolutely plentiful, then it's almost like our evolutionary biology is betraying us. Yeah. We still want that same reward.
4: Yeah.
1: See, I think sugar in 20 years, maybe even less 15 is going to be like the new shameful thing to eat. Or yeah, I mean, it's definitely already started. almost like cigarettes smoking, Mm -hmm. you know, yes. Yeah. The lack of activity, the overeating and the choice of food. I think those things should be shamed. But um, that
0: that means banning the buffet. But, but after getting out of the trail, a for shift like the, that has to happen. That's yeah. for sure. No, it's, it's not it's, healthy.
1: It's, it's not,
0: I guess, I guess I will be willing for the greater good. <laughs> I will, I will lament and mourn the, the passing of the buffet, you know, cause like when, when you're, when you're on a big hike and you know, you're done like, I will, I will just say this right now. Um, so long Asian buffet in Saranac Lake, New York. Really? Well, no, no. We're going to go. But I mean, just do. (laughs) It's just if if the societal benefit comes from like shaming buffets and they have to go, I will mourn their loss. Right? With the soft serve ice cream and all those things. But... But I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Understand? Although
2: maybe maybe the buffet will become the reward
0: for the hiking expeditions that you go on. Oh, no. That's, that's, that's what that's might, the, the that's shift really, might be. That's the only way we use it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, if we go there, and we usually go at lunch because it's only eight bucks for everything you can eat. Uh, but one of the biggest things we'll run into there, sometimes there are people in there who didn't earn it from a hiking <laughs> trip. <laughs> right. Uh, so so I, I think that's that the thing where we might have to be willing to give that up for the benefit of those people. That's all I'm saying.
1: Just looking at it from a more, uh, not so much, at least when I was on the keto diet, that's when I fully appreciated the value of nutrition and how your brain functions. Because mm-hmm. without certain minerals and vitamins. You're dumb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to shove like, like granola bar down my throat when we're going to go rock climbing, right? Yeah. So mm. um, that was really powerful, powerful for me. Gave me a whole new appreciation on how our body systems and our brain function is connected to food.
0: Yeah, because when that, that's one of the, the things you'll run into. Um, whether it's a keto diet, whether it's trying low-carb diets, whether it's cutting out you know processed sugar out of your diet, um, you know, there, there's sort of various things you can play with, right? Because if you think about almost any, um, diet, uh, they're all some type of elimination diet, right? Because they're all about reducing something, you know, now the paleo diet, right? Like no processed foods. And one of those things you, you're constantly hearing from people when they sort of get it figured out, is like my mental clarity is mm-hmm. my focus and it's my true. brain and yeah. right. Because yeah. and, it, and it really does show you how, how food, you know, the fuel we give our body and the building blocks we give our body affect how our brain works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even how addicted I had no, re, no um, realization until I started a keto diet of how addicted I was to sugar because when I stopped and then there was like, all these treats in front of me the things that i would normally closet eat and mm-hmm. stuff down my throat yeah. and take five of those when nobody's looking you know i'm in the kitchen and you're watching tv <laughs> um <laughs> it was really bad and all of a sudden on the keto diet nothing nothing you know yeah, not- not and even with coffee i always put sugar like ever since i was a kid i'd put like seven spoonfuls of sugar in my cereal oh my gosh. And it was even better when you put it in your chariette's and put it in the fridge and let it just sog there. Okay, oh. this, this, is, this is a bit extreme. Let <laughs> <laughs> <That's another> it ferment. <laughs> Anyways, that's on an the side. But seriously, um, I loved sugar all my life. And all of a sudden, and then uh, more recently, I think you've noticed my energy levels being low and... Especially on the trip to Vegas a couple of years ago, or in Utah, I mm-hmm. remember I was having trouble driving. It was really strange after I think I had carbs. I was trying to follow that. Anyways, long story short, I've noticed an improvement eliminating carbs and sugar from my diet. So long as you get your vitamins mm-hmm. in, in in order, right? So I take B twelve and that's really important for me. But there's a far better benefit from mental clarity. But I would say just controlling your urges, and we all know sugar's not great, mm-hmm. so. It's really interesting
0: yeah because basically do you find like the foods you eat you have like an like semi- immediate like change in, in mental outlook
3: um, not for me personally but that may be specific to the fact that I typically deal with anxiety and anxiety makes it difficult for me to eat so I don't think I have quite the same relationship I mean certainly I can relate to you know eating a bunch of sugar, and how you feel different mm-hmm. um but yeah for me i mean like my biggest struggle when it comes to mood and food is getting in the cycle of being so anxious it's difficult to eat and i'm not even hungry but also knowing that that perpetuates not feeling good yeah so you're trying to get yourself to eat food but yeah for me it plays out in it not being able to eat period
0: oh well, sometimes i kind of wish <laughs> i had that problem uh, you know
1: i hear you yeah. What
2: about hydration? How does that affect mm. anybody's mental clarity? Because I do find that I, I don't drink enough, nearly enough, and I should try to up my water intake. But have any of you struggled with?
0: Not on an ongoing basis. Well, but
1: certainly when you're hiking, dehydration. Right? Yeah, but, but, yeah like, but that's what I mean. Like, because I tend
0: that. to, on a daily basis, I'm the minimum of a gallon a day guy, mm-hmm. um, which is why I was running in the door to pee uh, <laughs> when we got here. Um, because I'd already like at work today, I drank three liters throughout the day and I drank, uh, a liter before I went to work. And then when I got in the car, Catherine had a large coffee for me. So you're, that,
2: you were literally the exact opposite of me. I, I'd be lucky if I
0: drank a liter a day. Yeah. Um, but for me, a lot of that came in from the standpoint of, for a lot of my life, I was an endurance athlete, like competitively, and you see a huge like if you're dehydrated, you see this huge mm-hmm. drop off in performance. So then you just hydrate, 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 you know, mm-hmm. electrolytes and hydration, and you know, like the, the, it's sort of almost this mantra because in competition, um, I've had a number of times, and you know, even like a couple of years ago on a, a backpacking trip, it was hot summer, and I wasn't stopping and drinking enough. And got severely dehydrated, like literally to the point where we're uh like dizzy and mm. turning pale, you know, because I just sweat buckets in the heat.
1: Or you just can't function. Your brain's not processing. Well, and that's a thing seen it's that like, too.
0: Like you know, like literally well, Yeah, I feel like I'm having
2: that sort of a mild type of reaction to that by not drinking enough just in general.
0: Yeah. Well, because if you think about the fact that your brain is mostly made up of water. Yeah. You, you know, it's a sponge. So if you, you can't expect a sponge um, to to be, you know, live and vibrant if it's kind of dried out. Um, so that, uh, you know, and quite honestly, though, like that, that bringing that up, I like I've, I've experienced being stupid because of like um, dangerous levels of dehydration. Mm
4: mm-hmm. Mm hmm.
0: But I've never actually seen any study on that, like like you know maybe a chronic dehydration like low level. Um, I wonder if there actually is a uh, uh, an effect there or or not so much an effect but but something that's actually been studied.
1: I think there's a chain reaction, right? If you don't have enough liquids, well, what's your bowel you know? so I'm gonna be like how often are you going and, and just in terms of your body functioning correctly mm-hmm. yeah and then how you feel and.
4: but
2: why wouldn't I feel thirsty if my body wants me to drink
1: that's a good point
2: um, that's where I'm struggling with that
0: concept yeah, yeah like uh, well because if you're if you're uh, not running into the thing of being like having it impede your performance mm-hmm. um, then, it, then it may not be an issue you know and it depends like to um, like uh, there's how much water you drink, but also like how much tea or coffee they 're all fluids yeah um,
1: what's in your food you even, yeah. Much, yeah
0: what's in your what's your humidity level of your environment yeah like how much fruit and vegetables because they 've got a lot of water in them um, you know so there's basically I think it'd be one of those things where um, you know if you if you were thirsty all the time and weren't drinking um, but it'd be interesting to see, like, if you if we could also run into the thing, because that's just sort of like a process thing in the brain, right? To tell you you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if, like, that feedback loop can get fucked up.
3: I think it can. I think when people are severely dehydrated, they don't even want water. And it's just some weird malfunctioning you're having at that point.
2: Yeah. I'm sure your body can adapt to having less water than the recommended
0: amount. Yeah. Or so vice versa, more water. Yeah, because there, there's the thing of, like, survival versus optimal, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, that's going to be a cool one to research now.
1: Well, what I did <laughs> when I was on that diet, the keto diets, I actually got my blood panels taken just to make sure, because okay, uh, I was struggling, and then I was better, but I wasn't sure if I was completely good. So they looked at all your the nutrients in your body, and are they at the right levels? So I think that's always worthwhile doing, just to make sure that your current habits are in check Mm -hmm. for optimal nutrition, nutrients, and vitamins.
0: Yeah. Because like if you take certain things like uh, vitamin B6, if you don't have adequate supplies, your brain can't make serotonin and dopamine. Um, You know? So there... And then those... Um, neurotransmitters are actually made from uh, tryptophan, which then gets turned into 5-HTP, which then gets turned into serotonin. And then I think it's tyrosine, the amino acid, which then gets turned into dopamine um, with vitamin B6. So if these levels are, are low, then you may run into that thing where your body just can't doesn't have enough building blocks to well, make these pieces.
1: Yeah, vitamin B twelve is another one to help combat anxiety and stress. Because I remembered mine mine were over um, the recommended levels, and my doctor said, "Don't worry about that. That's actually good. It's you oh. can't. That's not an issue." So that's another good one that significantly helped me with energy and mental processing. But she had mentioned also anxiety and stress. It's good for that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah let's 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 go around the table now because we've talked. A little bit about sort of the mm-hmm. not giving anybody diet recommendations because we're not you know but sort of our own experiences with food and with any of these things like it basically regardless of what podcast you listen to even if we were like four world-renowned experts um, which we're not um one of the things i, I encourage people to do is research mm-hmm. like if you're like especially because the world is at our fingertips now as far as information goes yeah. Don't just take oh that person said so. I'm go- that's what I'm gonna add in. Um, you know, the only thing we you know with this, I want you to take away from it is that your mental state, um, your mental health, um, in addition to a ton of other factors, uh, is affected by what you eat. Um, so do some research, right? Like I know um, food allergies like especially low grade ones so it's not like you shit your pants when you have milk cuz you're lactose intolerant um you know it's not like it causes you pain but certain foods if your body doesn't process them well right can increase inflammation you and know anxiety
1: as well i know mm-hmm. somebody at work she has a food allergy and she she has an allergy to gluten But then she got diagnosed, she has other food allergies because she was experiencing incredible anxiety and stress. And that significantly helped her changing her diet.
0: Well, One of the interesting things too, um, and I don't know if you've read any of this, um, but how your gut biome health, they say that your um, gut is basically so intricately lined up with sort of how your brain functions. Mm-hmm. It's like your second brain or something yeah. like that. Yep. And that um, the flora and fauna in your um, digestive system, what strains they are can mm-hmm. have an impact on your mental health. That's uh, interesting. And that they're, they're working on like, you know, basically experimenting with different probiotics mm-hmm. and it actually can change somebody's like the way they think and the way they you know like the uh so that you know i'm no expert i've just read a bunch of shit on it so read up on that (laughs) because it's not something that people like give enough thought to right like we're mostly parasites right um you know we have bacteria on our skin like we could not digest food without the Bacteria in our gut.
3: Yeah, we're made up of more bacteria than we are human cells. I think they say.
0: Yeah um, and So basically there's sort of this symbiotic relationship going on That we we have a play and you know obviously gonna adjust. but it, it comes in where we uh, If the bacteria you've got, you know, whatever mix that is isn't your friend <laughs> How much is that going to affect the way your brain works, right? And therefore, how you see the world and how you feel. And, you know, uh, so that's something for people to look into as far as, you know, that that good health. For anybody, like, who listens to podcasts or what have you, you know, um, regardless of what people feel about them politically, like Jordan Peterson and his daughter...
4: Mm-hmm.
0: both had autoimmune issues and they both had like depression and anxiety and all of these like like really, really severe.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And they went to the carnivore diet, um, which is basically nothing but red meat and water. And the feedback from both of them is like, I can't believe it, right? And the, and the daughter, Michaela, is periodically... Experimented with adding other foods back in mm-hmm. and she would be de- like go into like a, a super dark depression for a month you know eating bananas or kale or whatever she's added in mm-hmm. you know so so really sort of a, a, a stark example of how food can dramatically um, affect somebody's both physical health you know Joints and arthritis and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but also, you know, their their mental state um, I'm not advocating the carnivore diet, but just to give you know, uh, an idea of How big of an effect it can have um, and the other thing because I was just reading this today Anybody um, is looking for good fitnessy training information of a scholarly bent um, mm-hmm. Particularly about getting physically stronger I um, uh, Greg Knuckles, uh, and that is the coolest name, Greg Knuckles. <laughs> He's got a website called Stronger by Science, and I was reading about creatine, creatine monohydrate, mm-hmm. the most studied you know, health food supplement out there uh, that actually does something. And there's actually a lot of information, like studies about it, both reducing inflammation, and basically you can have inflammation in your brain too. Yeah. Yes. Um And because it increases the level of creatine phosphate in the system, which turns into ATP, and because the brain is the most active energy consumer in the Mm -hmm. body, um, and ATP is on a molecular level what every cell uses for fuel, by increasing the ATP levels in the brain, um, and some magic stuff, read the studies, uh, (laughs) that you run into the thing of better clarity um it's been linked to a decrease in depression um and and as somebody who's you know used it a number of times throughout my life uh, because it's a relatively inexpensive supplement Mm -hmm. as well um it's really quite fascinating um that Something that you take to get beaten jacked. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, turns out to actually improve brain function, help, it, it, it might stave off, uh, you know, deteriorating mental um, faculties. Uh, so I thought that was kind of fascinating.
1: We should link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Cause I'll find the B12 information, how it's good for anxiety and stress. Yeah. But there, I did hear on Ben Greenfield. So Ben Greenfield has a podcast. He's um, an athletic coach. Um, crazy. He helps like, a lot of people do like triple men, triple X, Ironman competitions. I'm mm-hmm. like, just throwing it out there. Like He's that kind of guy. Yep. And
0: he shines blue light on his balls every day.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> he basically tests on himself. He's uh, extreme. But he's all about, he's very big on data and science, and he has a lot of guests on air, doctors talking about the latest in biohacking. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks at it from mental, everything, performance, physical. Um, and he had a guest on about the inflammation of the brain, how it's a thing. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember <laughs> the well- details, but it was basically... Um, very much linked to stress and anxiety. And this idea of a reptilian brain and us being a constant fight or flight is terrible for you. Um, oh, yeah. You are never meant to endure that. But the kind of lifestyle we lead with hectic lifestyles, mm-hmm. multitasking. We
0: don't actually fight any tigers.
1: We don't. But but, but, and,
0: but we... It, it, because it's supposed to be an on-off thing. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right? exactly and it. And instead, we've taken... It's like a shitty tap that won't stop dripping. Yeah. <laughs> and it just goes all the time. Your
1: body can't sustain that.
0: Yeah. Um, so... I so, uh, Joe Rogan's flotation tank. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Have you guys ever tried that?
0: No. I am Isolation trying tank.
3: it in a couple weeks. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah,
0: do that with a pot brownie and you've reset everything. <laughs> <laughs> it might might be they find, yeah, just curled up in a ball in the corner of the tank.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs>
0: you know, I'm just saying. Uh, but that that's another thing that actually I find kind of fascinating um, is... Uh, the research they're doing with psychedelics oh yeah um, to reset like people with depression and anxiety PTSD well they're using Molly or MDMA yep like all of the fun drugs (laughs) turn out to be like (laughs) used appropriately good for you man what an exciting time to live like all the stuff I did when I was younger (laughs) and by younger I mean you know like last year Uh, well no well you know, like the, uh, it's legal. Like you can buy edibles here in Canada now. Yeah. Right. And you can buy them in Las Vegas from the fine um, connoisseur people at the fine store who can tell you, you know, which they recommend and why. They're weed snobs. Yeah. They, you know, um, but it turns out some of those things can, uh, probably not unsupervised, you know, um, but can potentially have some, some therapeutic not just fun benefits
3: that and i think to build on that beyond just researching i mean there's something about just experimenting and seeing what works for you whether it's diet or certain activities and paying attention how do i feel before how do i feel after i mean for me my struggles with especially anxiety in the last year even tracking things like how often am i getting outside how often am i exercising how often am i engaging in the self-care that matters to me And you kind of, if you're not recording it and you're not really thinking about how you feel before and after, you don't notice, you don't remember. But I can clearly see if I'm starting to see my mood going down, I look, have I been going outside? Have I been exercising? For me, I like meditating. Have I been doing that? Like, what have I been doing in my life? And you usually see a pretty clear link that you've fallen off track on your kind of healthy behaviors in some way. So, I mean, also just experimenting and seeing what works for you, Mm -hmm. what doesn't.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's very personalized.
0: Yeah, and I think one, sure. of the, one of the things you're going to run into is that there's certain general things. Um, and and the, this is things that work for me and based on all of the research, generally don't hurt for people. Um, both uh, some form of aerobic and uh, strength training uh, because of the different pathways they work on um uh enough sleep um when i I, like a lot of the the research or studies i've seen like the average adult like working adult in north america is like averaging something like six or six and a half hours of sleep a night
1: i was doing that for a long time sometimes three to four in one month
0: um Mm -hmm. you know uh, basically that's just you have...
1: You're dying. That's yeah. That's what you're doing. You're just killing yourself. One so, night
0: of yeah. um, it, inadequate sleep. The next day, your blood markers show that of a pre-diabetic. That's one night. Right? There's a reason why, you know, down in them are Guantanamo Bays and those CIA mm-hmm. black sites, one of the ways that they, you know, get the uh, uh, guests, <laughs> we'll talk... Um, to to uh, soften up to talk is sleep deprivation, right? Like it like literally not letting people get enough sleep is torture. So why does the mind work against us like that to prevent us from getting the sleep that we need? Well, I think I think there's probably two things there. Number one, a lot of times we're just shitty at our own time management because mm-hmm. we're not tied to. Um, we we fucked with our circadian rhythms, mm-hmm. right? Dark. We're we're in a room that's like well lit, <laughs> yeah, and it's after dark, right? Like it, it, for a lot of people, it used to be you were tied to the the, main... the rise and fall of the sun. Um, so obviously, we've totally circumvented that. Um, and then, you know, it's one of those things where where we almost have to get ourselves into like. Uh, go, okay, I'm going to go to bed, right? Because I've I've had, like, last night, you know, was, no, I'm tired. And, you know, went to bed at 11 o'clock. And that was after going to my company Christmas party, Um, right? We didn't stay up late and we didn't, you know, because I was just tired. But most nights for me, I have to, uh, unless I've done things, because we went climbing yesterday and we were up late the night before, um, like, I literally have to, to go to bed. Yeah. Right. And start that process of like down regulating your system. Right. Because there's nothing sort of naturally making that happen. Right. So, um, you know, if you don't specifically feel tired, uh, unless you have almost like a ritual that sort of sets up your sleep.
1: And it works because I get six hours sleep for many years and um, even on the weekends and the holidays, or although you'd have to be a few days into the holidays until you start to get more normal sleep patterns. But anyways, I'd wake up at 6 a.m. on the dot. Didn't even need my alarm clock. And I could go to bed um, at midnight, but guess what? I'd be up again or at 1 o'clock in the morning or 2, 6 o'clock. It was no longer six hours. It was that time mm. <laughs> for some reason. It was really weird. And then I fell into this terrible path of three, four hours of sleep that happened. And that was very d- due to, because of work and stress. I got pneumonia twice in two months, right? Oh. And that's when I really started to realize this has got to stop. This is killing me. Like, this, is, this is really bad. And, um, and nobody cares. They really don't. So you got to take care of yourself. I literally had to start sleep training. I actually called it that. I started telling myself mentally I need to sleep seven hours a night. And mm-hmm. it was hard because I would take my cell phone to bed. That's another thing that's really bad for you. Oh yeah. The blue light, right? Um, and it, I found the days that I, the nights that I actually said to myself, I need to go to sleep now and I want to get up at this time. You know, even on the weekends, it worked. I don't know what it was. What is it subconsciously just speaking to yourself mm-hmm. and talking to that piece of, you know, the part of your mind. Uh, And actually, it also worked (laughs) when I had very little sleep. I'm like, fuck, I got four hours. Okay, please, God. I was actually praying. (laughs) Like, please, God. And I'm not religious, but I really need to call in a favor. I need to be in good working order for tomorrow. And it would work. Isn't that so? It just shows how powerful the mind is, right? You can only do that so much.
0: Yeah, because you know you can only cheat exactly every now and again but, you can get away but with my it my
1: point is that's what i needed to do to extend my sleeping habit mm-hmm. right past six hours or past 6am or whatever and so i think now i average about seven to eight so i'm still working towards eight but it's um it's, it's kind of neat
0: yeah well one of, the, one of the things that i would encourage anybody to because obviously adequate sleep um, an adequate sort of mental downtime too. Like a couple of things that can actually help with your sleep. Number one, electronics get shut off an hour before bed. Right? Like it, it's developing sort of, it, it's like everything. you got to ritualize your life.
4: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you
0: um, making things into habits versus having to remember at a certain point you forget. Right? So it's just getting into this habit um, and so that you know, if you if you've made something, okay, it's this time, so the phone goes down, I you know Candlelight comes on. Yeah. That's
2: something we've actually been trying to do.
1: Oh, incense. Hey, There's, I had five hours of hard labor with nothing on incense. Nobody believed that my son was coming. Sorry. Really? Oh yeah. I took I took hypnobirthing. Whoa. I did. Nobody believed me, because I was so zenned. Interesting, it, yeah, wow. Yeah, but incense does it for me. Now it gets me in the mood. <laughs> 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 so it was a
2: relaxing for you, essentially?
1: Yeah, I so my first baby was 30 hours of labor. Mm-hmm. So, and I was always scared of that whole process, and and, and I think that's probably the reason why it took so long. So when, with my second child, I decided to take hypnotherapy for hypnobirthing. And, um, they, were they, you know, whatever relaxes you. For me, incense does it. And it gave me the only time that I was allowed in my marriage at the time to burn incense because he hated it, my husband. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for me, it's incredibly relaxing. And probably it's, it's probably because I used to go to yoga very often. Like I was going mm. consistently for two and a half years, three days a week. And there was an ashram in Montreal that I would go to. And there was a certain kind of incense that I really liked
2: so you're associating it with that
1: environment. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I could totally so it was very calming for me. Mm-hmm.
0: It's kind it, of that Pavlovian it, thing.
1: Yeah. And, and actually, when I used to work at your cycle shop and you gave me something really hard, I got into, exactly. And they talk, um, they got into that mindset of calm and breathing. And, and I, don't, I never breathed through my, um, my mouth. It was always through my nose. Mm-hmm. And that's actually relaxing. Um, long story short is even in um, labor, you want to get into that meditation state. For sure. And you will forget time. You will literally go through like, I don't know how many minutes or you, you'll think uh, the, the, the intensity of the contraction should be a minute. It's like it feels like it goes by quickly, like 10 seconds and like it's over. So what you, you can really do a lot with your mind to disassociate oh, and get sure. into a different calming state and it works. So, and, and I so for me, going back to my level of anxiety, where that stemmed from, it was a lot of how I looked at the world And and that's why I think the exercise back to your point on that is so good for you. It helps you reset, clears all that shit. You're focusing on something else. You get the dopamine, you know, from that. Whatever else you get from it, you feel good. You're like, what was I upset about? Like your reaction to the world is different, you know. Um, And for me, you know, having to rebuild my life, like, who the fuck am I? What do I want? I'm on dating apps saying I like to play baseball and volleyball. I don't do that. And you know, like, who am I? For me, going into the forest was a place of just therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that to get away from whatever shit's, I think it's mostly caused by you, mm-hmm. whatever shit's in your mind. You got to, and you got to figure out the source of that. But it's hard to even get there when your mind is just spinning. Mm-hmm.
0: What I think that you, you make an interesting or like a, a good point because one of the things you run into is, because our limbic system isn't per- terribly well evolved it doesn't go oh this thing i'm stressed about isn't real so i'm not no it's like basically oh, yeah. the stress of getting chased by a tiger and the how am i going to meet that deadline the
1: reptilian brain you talk about yeah yeah your,
0: your brain like basically as far as the chemicals go and the fight yeah, of fight yeah. or flight response are the same right so when, when you when you when you suffer from anxiety or you're experiencing anxiety your body only has one way of processing which is okay well here you go hey, but, uh, you can't
4: you handle know. that yeah and
0: so basically part of the reason why exercise is so good because you literally are um depending on how you exercise i equated as lifting weights as the fight part or when i did martial arts a lot that was the fight part or when you're doing cardio, that's the flight part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you literally are burning it off, right? Like the, 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 mm-hmm. the chemicals in your brain, right, that say, hey, you have to do a thing, right? Just as your brain's stupid and it responds with the same chemicals as you getting a chased yeah. by a bear. Yeah, The physical activity that you're doing um, that effectively, and a, this is sort of more of an analogy than, than you know, that uses them up is kind of tricking your brain that you either ran or you fought
1: (laughs) i can relate to that i was going through a tremendous amount of stress um as i was in this new organization right and just finding my spot and and uh just adapting right because i had to pivot significantly and um i'd wake up in the morning thinking i had to like fight through a battle like it was just terrible i was so anxious i was just oh my god it was it was the worst And I'd go for a hike. I don't know what caused me to go for a hike, I just did. And I was listening to um, some Buddhism podcasts and it's not even about the religion, I don't even think it's a religion, or it was more about just a, and often the guy who was talking, um, who's funny. Mm -hmm. But it was just a change in fucking perspective on life. You know, I don't know if it was the fresh air, the exercise like you just Mm -hmm. mentioned, and coupled with just a different perspective a different lens
0: well sometimes i think even change of environment right because we are creatures of habit so Mm -hmm. just even putting yourself in a different environment breaks the habit yeah um right now you have to pay attention to something different and now the parts of your brain that were all obsessed
1: yeah but that's exactly it i i totally was at for a long maybe two years of being obsessed i was ready really tense and anxious and it was it was you mean
0: like how you rock climb (laughs) over
1: gripping no it was was worse that was that's that's rational (laughs) no but it it, but i'd come i you know the the person i came in as and the person who i left as two different people and the way i looked at that situation gone like that shit brain was gone it's so powerful and that's why for me Um, I'm so passionate about the outdoors because I, for me, it was very therapeutic, but I think it is, it can be for most people because you go in with a heavy heart, lots on your shoulders, you leave with a lighter load.
3: Yeah, I definitely experienced the same thing. And I mean, in addition
1: to getting outside and
3: moving your body, there's something that you're engaging your senses in different ways. You know, when you go for a hike in the forest, you smell these different smells. The temperature is different. You feel the wind. And I mean, especially when we're talking about anxiety, for example, in dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, part of how if you're having a panic attack, you can get out of it is putting your face in ice cold water. And it's just that that temperature shock is enough to help you know your body change how it's acting, your thoughts. You can't, I mean, if you're freezing, you can't think very rationally about anything anymore. And it can break that loop. So even for me, that's something, even I'm not a big fan of the winter. But if I'm feeling like my brain's getting stuck in those weird mental patterns, just going outside and being cold is good for my brain. Like Mm -hmm. that change. And I think the same thing happens with scent. Like I've heard same with, with taste, that if you're having a lot of anxiety, something like taking some lemon juice, some really sour taste can just break you out of those patterns. And I don't know how it works exactly, but that's one of the techniques that's especially taught for anxiety. And I can definitely see how being outside can do the same thing.
2: I think it's all a form of distraction distracting your mind from what's currently going on and giving you anxiety
1: yeah but you don't want to fall back into those old patterns of how you looked at the world yeah do you know what i mean and you need to somehow find hope in a different perspective that just resets how you look at everything Mm -hmm. that's what i found that those podcasts for example did for me especially Mm -hmm. with while i was walking and then you just get caught up in everything, how beautiful it is. And then you become very grateful and, and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. nature's great
3: at inspiring awe and, and making you kind of understand your place in the world a little better and feel more gratitude.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that that feeling of uh, being insignificant that you'll get like in sort of that grander nature, but then having a self-confidence that comes from being there and making it through, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's it's kind of like, uh, to steal from, you know, uh, Bart Kwan, um, it's being proud but humble. Like, you're having, because we, we, having those two things going on at the same time, I think is a very healthy uh, thing where you, it's hard to think your problems are the end of the world when you, you sort of, see where you are in the world right mm-hmm. like in the, or in the universe where it's like i'm just a speck. well my problems can't be that big <laughs> i'm a speck, right you know and and those types of things i find have helped me um you know as far as just recalibrating and realizing like everything in life you're not going to fix it overnight right so it, it's it's these accumulating a number of these little small victories Right, that then lead to new habits and behaviors and thought processes, because you, you know if you're if you're dealing with shitty thinking, you didn't get that overnight, mm-hmm. right? It's just like if you're oh, overweight, yeah. you're not going to lose the weight overnight because you didn't gain it overnight.
1: But those tools that you talked about, like the exercise for me, I think actually really helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sleep, of course, you can't make any good decisions when mm-hmm. you're not feeling <laughs> well rested. But this, uh, but those those habits are really important that help lead towards, you know, yeah. sustainable. And, and sometimes it's
0: that those behaviors, like whether it's exercise, like for me, it, everything's like sort of all connected because if I don't get enough exercise, I can't sleep. Therefore I don't get enough sleep. So I'm not rested. And therefore then you, when you're, when you're like almost feel jet lagged from not enough sleep, you definitely don't feel like exercising and it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when you're super tired, um, because I used to run into this, like DJing. When you're super tired, you don't have cravings for good food, right? And yeah. when you're when you're super tired, your judgment and willpower are compromised. So then you start eating shitty, right? For that that momentary, you know, dopamine payoff. And it, so it's it's this downward spiral of bad habits. So the same thing can happen in the other direction, though. Right, um, and this sort of ties into sort of almost what you guys are, are working on is what you want to do is like start stringing wins together mm-hmm. instead of losses, right? So sometimes it takes um, willpower or or you know uh, sort of like that that force of will to take the first step, yeah. right? And then each step kind of builds. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the things that I I find helpful is to actually document.
2: But what I want to know is what do you do specifically in the moment to help you um, overcome negative thinking and get you into the mood of the healthier aspects you should be doing?
0: Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that uh, that I learned and one of my one of my therapists over the years um, said, hey uh well i they didn't say hey but you know uh, but if you think of it like when you when you're sort of having that that um dark you know like like the whole world's collapsing go through and take a uh audit right and go okay you know just to see like because sometimes you feel shitty and you got a good reason right and then, but you know, with depression, the the problem is is that you feel shitty for no reason, right? It's like you feel like somebody died when everybody's still there. Mm-hmm. And so, she said, go through and and do an audit of you know just in the moment of of your life, and then you know if there is something specific, then then. You know address the specific thing but generally you know when you're feeling this because um and, and you can't put a pinpoint on it it's then you're you're you know she didn't say my brain was malfunctioning but that's my take on it <laughs> um and i i learned how to disassociate right like uh, internally take a step back and go oh uh, like the, the processor's kind of bogged up or, you know, like almost think of it like a computer that's not working properly because in a weird way it kind of is. Um, and that, just that thinking that way allowed me to just take enough of a step back from it that then it's like, oh, okay, well, if you had a linky faucet, then you would go, oh, I have a problem I got to fix, right? And that. I, I found was one of the most powerful things for me, and it was difficult to do initially, mm-hmm. um, but sort of like with anything, with practice, um, you get better at it, and then it would be a thing of like, oh, okay, so uh, food, exercise, you know, and it would like literally be oh, okay, and I will just go out for a walk right now, like, it, 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 and I will process it while I walk, right, because just the active movement and and get the heart rate up, and you know, just the the chemical mm-hmm. process, the change. And then think about, you know, what, what's my next step as I'm doing that. So it, the... See, for me, the act of going for a walk
2: is a distraction for what I'm currently feeling. And it helps my anxiety because I've kind of reset what yeah. I'm thinking about or just the environment is making mm-hmm. me feel better, whatever. And what I found that helps me the most... I was lucky to have found it in the first place is, is rock climbing mm-hmm. because I find that it takes my mind off of my thoughts because it's something that's so focus intensive. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't literally be thinking about all of the problems in the world when you're hanging on for dear life
0: on these, on these rock Well, Well, basically like, a, a, cause we've talked about this before. Like I, I equate rock climbing as the cheater's version of meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You get the it. benefits of meditation mm-hmm you know of being present mm-hmm. and in the moment uh and even uh,
1: working out the tension in your body
0: um yeah but that's a, i i guess sort of m- the mental part of meditation right which mm-hmm. is to bring yourself into the focus mm-hmm. right and there is no past there is no mm-hmm. future there is just now um i find climbing when you're in the moment of doing it you didn't have to sort of do any ohms or, or breathing or it's just a natural thing that happens. You do, and guess what? Like, and the bigger thing you climb or the scarier the thing you climb, the more in the moment you are,
4: mm-hmm.
2: right? Um, and then for me, climbing brought me into the outdoor world, yeah. exposed me to all this other healthy benefits for your mental health.
0: Yeah, because, uh, well, basically, before you got into climbing, um, how active, athletic, any of that
2: stuff were you? Not very. I, like, I had a phase of skateboarding which is not really comparable. I mean, yeah, you're outside, but you're in usually in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a beautiful place to be. <laughs> um, that, that was my primary sport before rock climbing. Mm-hmm. And then I quit that for, for, for... I was afraid of getting injured from, from skateboarding, which is ironic because now I rock climb. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, but. I guess the thing is, it's like if you skateboard and you stick to skateboarding and actually try to do anything... Of significance, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to break bones. Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: that's part of the process. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. Because it, it, it's it's an interesting thing. Because obviously, with with your career, like as an engineer, um, you run into the thing where, uh, obviously, if you could go down that path, you didn't. You weren't a dumb guy, um, and you run into that thing where, where a lot of times. Um, people who are we'll call it academically oriented don't tend to be as physical,
4: mm-hmm.
0: right? And they it's not that you have to be an athlete, but but that physicality, um, I think, would benefit everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. But that was literally
2: all I did. I didn't do any strength training. I didn't do any running. It was literally just skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, you know. But
1: I think it's also the act of challenging yourself doing something that you don't you initially couldn't.
3: That and gaining mastery over time. I mean, if you're getting better at something, you feel better about yourself and what you can do in the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean,
1: that has only positive benefits
3: as well. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I can't say enough about that with doing hard things, whether it's backpacking, climbing a mountain, doing just rock climbing, and, and then it just especially rock climbing and bouldering. Going for it, oh yeah, and facing your fear, yeah, fuck.
0: Well, and and learning to try hard, like mm-hmm. that—that's a skill unto itself.
3: Hundred percent,
0: right? Like I, I, I know, and this is sort of where you run into. Like I know, you'll run into people who are natural athletes. Um, oftentimes, they don't get into rock climbing, uh, because it it's a slow sport, right? Rock climbing is yeah. a slow sport. You know, like physically, um, you know, it it's a slow-moving sport. Yeah, yeah, but it takes yeah.
1: time to develop your strength, your grip strength. You don't just—it's not instant gratification. You know, as far as doing certain climbs, because you have to build muscles, you have to build technique.
2: Really? I know. found it
0: to be instant gratification.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you're tall. Well, you're.
3: Well, a I'm just a
2: natural climber. climber, I guess.
0: You know, well, but but I think it's one of those things because the the a lot of times like who, people who are natural athletes end up in things that are a little faster right uh you know but if they try climbing because i've had a bunch of them you know because i've coached a ton of people over the years and i've taken a bunch of them climbing uh the ones who are the genetic freaks are just good at everything mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like oh what's so hard about this climbing thing and it's like oh go fuck yourself <laughs> but, but climbing has such natural
2: progression that yeah. you can witness like there's literally numbers associated yeah. to how difficult you climb yeah you yeah. always have this new goal. And even if you get to a point where you plateau That's endless. There's endless yeah, you, you can take it outside and you have new routes that you want to climb. Yeah. And it might Skills. be all at the same grade, but and then that brings you outside to new environments, to new countries, to
3: And you meet people, especially if you're climbing outside
1: and you need a belayer. and mm-hmm. problem solving. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good for you. And seeing multiple ways to accomplish a climb. Mm-hmm.
0: You know but it but it is it's, it's an interesting thing where so many of the um, downward spirals or like you know spiraling out of controls uh, almost just need to be broken right so uh, yeah. obviously there there's all sorts of coping mechanisms and skills you mm-hmm. want to build with those things but a lot of times it's just the physical act of doing something that breaks the chain right like you're talking about sticking your face in cold water that's kind of you know obviously it's a physical thing right like you feel something the going for a walk and you're right the distraction part of it it's like i distract myself which allows me to focus if that makes any sense yeah distract yourself to then be able to build the habits yeah but no yeah
1: sometimes when you're so obsessed with something you're like um a rat on a cage or what are they or called? a hamster wheel a,
0: a hamster sure. <laughs> wheel. a rat i've never seen more A alone. hamster on a hamster
1: wheel <laughs> yeah and you just can't get off and you're just da 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 and you can't even think. you're chasing
0: your own tail yeah
1: you can't even think clearly mm-hmm. and to some degree
3: you can't even think enough to get out of it like i know that's something i've definitely felt to take where, a step back yeah and you can have be in just such a bad mood and it's almost like it's a comfortable place to be and you won't even think to do something that will make you feel better. I mean, one of my therapist's suggestions to deal with that was set an alarm on your phone for the time of day that you mm-hmm. usually kind of feel off. If it's, for me, it was the morning specifically. And if you're, if you're doing good, the alarm goes off, okay, all good. But if you're not, it's an actual cue saying, hey, like, should you maybe do something? Like maybe go outside, maybe go for a walk, something to kind of break that thought pattern. Because for me, without that cue, I can get totally lost in that,
0: you know. And I think I think so many of these things, like it's it's behavioral, right? Mm-hmm. Because we were talking beforehand, and Eric, and you said a lot of your anxiety is a social thing, mm-hmm. right? That you know, and and I think it's to an extent understandable because you're going to have like an area you're comfortable in, right? Um, and then, so if you're, if you're having to step outside of that, it's going to cause, uh, you know, anxiety, right? Like, like fear and simplest terms. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that, uh, I find interesting, right, is that we're all intelligent people, you know, yet, uh, these kinds of, um, things are all, uh, you Know very, very common, you know, and and but at the same time, there, I guess, there are skills that we can develop uh, to basically both manage and then expand that circle of comfort. Uh, because, you know, if you stay super insulated, then the whole world gives you anxiety, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm the broader you can make that circle, then the f- more stuff is in the circle of comfort, if you want to call it. Yeah. Then less is outside, and the outside is what's scary. You know? And so, basically, I guess it just comes in, it's like, if you were to say, look at yourself 10 years ago, and you look at yourself now, um, do the same things, um, you know, cause anxiety or yes but to less
2: of a degree yeah because so of what
1: exposure
2: exposure yes exposure time yeah um Facing your fears. getting more mature mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i'd like to talk about something something that i'm really passionate about is um dealing with your own shit so i i do i believe just because it I experience, and I think I really think everybody else does too, whether they acknowledge it or not. That everybody's got baggage to unpack, mm-hmm. and it all stems from their their childhood, their environment, what they saw growing up. Because it wasn't until I left when I was eighteen as an exchange student that I realized, holy shit, my family's fucked up in this area. <laughs> they weren't entirely fucked up, okay, but there's some things that were predominant. Yeah, and I know that in my life, when I had a lot of issues. Um, there were a couple times in particular I was the common denominator <laughs> then you start to realize holy shit you know maybe it is me um and a couple key events happened to make me realize certain qualities but um nonetheless if you don't ever deal with these items they will just keep coming back yep and you repeat the same patterns just different context. yeah and so I think I mostly experience it at work because that's where you spend a lot of your time
4: mm-hmm.
1: and And also my personal relationships um, With my partner Whoever I was with My husband at the time Um, And I I think Well I guess my public service announcement (laughs) Is that people need to I think acknowledge That you probably have something to unpack Whatever Idiosyncratic I can't say the word Whatever
0: Idiosyncratic Yes Uh, Issues they may be
1: Whatever issue that they're experiencing uh, I think people need to acknowledge that they likely have something they need to deal with. Own it, be aware of it. First of all, what is it? Do you not know what that is?
0: Well, and that, the, the thing I will say, a lot of times, um, people don't. Mm-hmm. Like, and th- this is where, like, never have uh, uh, shame or any stigma about getting professional help.
1: 100%. So that, that's actually one of the ways we identified what your issue was in my counseling session. She went through a bunch of things and whatever you don't associate shame with is actually a kind of an indicator because you don't even own it.
0: What you don't associate shame with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if something does not cause you, if you can't feel that feeling, like say it was jealousy, let's just, I'm just throwing one out there. No, I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you, you never associate with that. So that's oh. almost a bit of an indicator. Like why aren't you owning that? It was really interesting. Um, oh, I, guess, I guess for so me it, it was control. Yeah. I was very controlling. It was just something, and, and quite honestly, one of the key questions that my more recently my therapy therapist asked me maybe about eight years ago was, "What are three themes that you remember growing up?" Hmm. Okay, so for me it was control, trust, and not being good enough. And I tell you, those are my fucking Achilles heel, right? Like those were the three things that were dominant in my life that was caused my shortcomings. Right. So this is after many, many years of putting this all together. OK, probably over 15 years. But um, well, all I'm trying to say is that I think everybody's got something to unpack. Do you know what that is? When people have marital breakdowns or relationship breakdowns, they often tend to blame the other person. Mm-hmm. I personally believe it's a it's a two, you know, it took it takes two to dance you know. Unless
2: so, you
0: do one of those funky- hip from Michael ideas. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what do you own and um, and grow from that? And I tell you, it's, it's really hard to almost own it, but when you do and you you finally get there, yeah, it's easier to manage, obviously. You become more conscious. But I think until you do that, you're going to continue experiencing issues. And you'll never understand, you'll probably blame other people. But mm-hmm. I just think a lot of people, going back to, we talked about behaviors, but at the end of the day, you have to look at you as well. And I think that can be a cause. I'm talking about the anxiety side, what caused my anxiety. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. if you
0: think, though, y- your issues are what cause your behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, so it's, right. It, 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 Nothing's Nothing lives in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, so it, it becomes one of these... Uh, cases where and I think this is where professional help comes in because it can be overwhelming to try to go through oh and then this and then you're just trying to process it like you know try to do it on your own Mm -hmm. this is not a DIY project because you'll run into that thing where, where professionals are trained on the right kind of pathway to take you down um, and, and you know it 'll be different for everybody but but mm-hmm. they have sort of tools mm-hmm. whereas you 're trying to go unpack one thing and but you think it 's this and then it 's that, and then it 's right you know you think you maybe have a daddy issue, but it 's actually from something else, and then you know all of uh, uh, uh then you 're trying to get maybe your diet organized in this and it just it 's overwhelming right and then it causes you more anxiety. <laughs> uh whereas you know basically whether it's a psychiatrist a therapist a psychologist having them go you know first hey you're cool right like there, there is something about having somebody who's a professional go we can deal with this right mm-hmm. it's like no problem it's it it'd be one thing if it, you know you had them think like holy shit i don't i i don't <laughs> <you> know <laughs> Um He's but, a lost cause. Yeah. But but they the, you know, this is what they do for a living. Right? So it's like uh no problem. You know, like like their uh you know in, in confidence or or um uh calmness in these are the things I'm dealing with. And it's like, that's cool. Like, no, they're not so cool. They're like the
1: experienced rock climber. They've yeah. been there, done that. They can right. get you through it. Yeah.
0: And, it, <laughs> uh, and th- then it's one of those things where then they can, yeah. in, a, in an organized manner, help you develop coping mechanisms, unpack things that you didn't even know were your issues. Totally. Um, and give you those coping skills.
1: When I realized... Um, and
0: potentially medication. Like, we're not going to discount that. Because
1: just um, the feeling of, I was having an identity crisis. I actually literally did not feel comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was a very controlling, demanding person. I had higher expectations of myself than anybody else did. But I didn't realize that. So literally, I was being told to do less. I'm like, what? But if I do less, I'll be worth less. That was so hard. And until I realized what the reality was, um, could I get past that? But to own that, to own that, like somebody says you're controlling, what what are you talking about? But to actually then realize you're like, holy shit, but what am I? What is normal? What is accepted? It was such an intense feeling. I, I didn't know what to do. When you, so I'm just trying to explain what it might feel like, to, at least what it felt like to me to encounter that. Mm-hmm. It was really it was at the same time I'm married, going through a bad time, so it was hard.
3: Therapy is also this place going back to
1: finding that that self awareness to to own
3: your shit and work through it. That I mean, it's really this safe space where you notice things that you don't normally. Like you could be complaining to the same about the same thing to your friend, and it just sounds like how you usually say it. But when you have a, not a stranger, but someone who is that impartial party and you're saying things, it sounds a little different. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like I put off, I definitely should have gone to therapy a long time ago. I put it off for so long for various reasons, some financial, some stigma, some just wanting to believe that I could get through it myself, that I didn't that. Yeah, you know, like I'm smart. I've done a lot of things. I, I can get through this. I don't need help. But it was just so interesting. I remember even the first day I was there, she called me out like very gently, but saying, did you just hear like the last five things you said were really negative about yourself and super critical? And you kind of have this light bulb moment where you're like, oh, yeah, and that's not helpful. Oh, and she had to do that multiple times. I think she did it five visits before I started actually like internalizing that and realizing it really was a problem and starting to actually work to change it. But I mean, they're so good. And I mean, part of it is you need to find someone you feel comfortable with. A big part of making therapy effective is having a good therapeutic relationship, obviously. Totally. But when you have that, they almost can be a mirror
1: where you can kind of see yourself more clearly. I found it very useful. They had they were asking me questions that were mm. taking me down a different journey mm-hmm. that really opened up a whole new world that I wasn't aware of. And that was the most useful thing. And they didn't they never told me how to get there. They just yep. asked me questions. I'm like, thank you.
0: Yeah, they they sometimes yeah. uh you know what they might tell you is like specific coping strategies mm-hmm. or habit you know, like tools. Like, you know, like yeah, the basically but they, you know, that that whole process of bringing things out of you, right, and getting you to confront things—it's an interesting. Uh, uh, as somebody who uh, is kind of fascinated, just even just the the base idea of knowledge, right, epistemology, um, I found the process kind of fascinating because it would just be. Asking questions, right? And then when, with whatever I said, it led to another question, mm-hmm. right? And it wouldn't be a thing of going, no, no, you're wrong, and this is what you should think, and da-da. No, they, they would, by asking the right questions, they would get you to go, oh, I'm full of shit, right? Like, effectively. You, you know, it's it's understanding that negative self-talk, mm-hmm. right? They ask the questions that then... Y- y- it's kind of f- fascinating because question they're a- asking questions, you're giving answers that leads to more questions that make you understand yourself mm-hmm. without them going and drawing on a board. It's like okay and and this and your mom and this and this, <laughs> right? Yeah. You
1: you come to that conclusion yourself. You
0: start to understand yourself without anybody specifically pointing it out to you.
1: It's the most powerful thing, you
0: know and so that that kind of uh you start to learn what you believe um because you've had to sort of explain it because Mm -hmm. they've asked enough questions right and then you know you you start to understand oh that might not be the oh and you know you you go down this pathway um
1: well isn't understanding whether it be why somebody else did what they did like the idea of seeking to understand them, seeking to understand yourself, whether it's mentally, like, what the fuck am I thinking? Like, you know, what you just explained to seeking to understand your reaction to food or, you know, isn't that critical in all of this?
0: But that's mm-hmm. that—that's what the therapy tends to yeah. do. Yeah. Taking I think- that
1: time to step back, reflect. Mm-hmm. They say journal. You don't understand. It may not make sense to you, but write it down. Like, things will come...
0: Yeah, like I've—it's—it's uh, it's funny. Like, you know, in, in a few weeks I'm going to turn forty-nine, and uh, it took a long time to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my ups and downs, but—and this is this is something I would wish on anybody. Not sort of what I've gone through, but I'm enjoying. Um, both my life and who I am um, more now than at any point in my life, right? So it's one of those things, like, that idea that um, instead of, like, after 30 it's all downhill or whatever, you know, um, that that thing of, like, no, no, you can keep growing and keep growing and keep learning and, and adding and, you know, some of the things that we would associate with aging, like, my absolute athletic potential isn't as high as it was 20 years ago um but the the uh just saw through like the the whole of my life as all the pieces work together is better now than it's ever been right so yeah i'm giving up a little bit on the athletic side uh but my emotional well-being my intellect my dealing with you know bad thinking and biases um i i and even to sound to the thing i like myself (laughs) more now than i did at at earlier points in my life so regardless of where you are you know age wise or anything like that like you can keep getting better um, you know, by growing. Yeah. Well, this is what I mean. Like, yeah. it, I think some people just run into, well, this is my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah, no, it doesn't. There's right? a question in
2: an earlier stage of your life. Whenever, whenever it happened to be, did you think a therapist would help you? Um, were you open-minded to believe that this
0: person would help you? well, early enough uh i didn't even know it was a thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then uh so basically i would say at a certain point i didn't even know it existed then i didn't know how you were going to help me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then it was like fuck it i might as well try (laughs) because my life you know uh, so I, the stage
2: between I don't think it's going to work and fuck it I might as well try was that was there a span in between?
0: Um, probably about six months, right? So sort of that becoming aware and because but then you know it's one of those uh, things where I never heard something like this at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was all before podcasts. <laughs> um, but I'd talked to a couple of like I, I became aware of it in conversations with people um and there was probably a little bit of an initial thing because you know i'm like a young male i should be able to do uh and i was pretty good about the physical part of looking after myself um you know it was training i'm pretty strong all that kind of thing and so there was a little bit of the thing of like listen if i can look after my body i can look after my brain and then uh But the the good part, if you want to call it, is that, and it was almost I gave myself a cheat mentally um, that allowed me to put the ego aside, is when I was younger, I had had a bunch of concussions, which then let me go, oh, it's not that I can't, it's that uh, something's broken, like, you know, Um, so it's not that I'm too weak. Right, which gave me the out to actually get help because mm-hmm. that's
1: almost the because um... if
0: I'd broken my arm, I wouldn't have an issue getting a cast, yep. right? And because you know I'd taken a bunch of blows to the head, uh, it sounds like it was an excuse almost. Yeah, to, to...
1: It, it, like I
0: gave myself the excuse right. to get Cause, help
1: because that's a very negative um, feeling. I think men in particular don't want to associate with is feeling weak. Yeah. Cause well, especially it, like on the- Whereas for women, it would be um, what is it? Uh, being feminine, or maybe that's anyways. But I know for guys that that is really sensitive. A lot of guys don't ever want to admit any kind of lack of strength, whether it's mental or you yeah. know. That's just isn't that what they're here for? They're here to emulate that. Um, yeah. So I think in overall, I was what I'm trying to say that this is. I think this is a hard topic. For guys in particular, yeah. Whereas to get help and so, seek help and admit to I, I need help.
0: Yeah, so so it's a thing of just thinking like nobody would bat an eyelash if you broke an arm, mm-hmm. right? There's no sign of weakness to go get a cast. Well, I, I it worked for me to give myself permission to get help because I just went my head's broken.
1: <laughs> so, so, what are some signs? Um, they say signs of women in depression when, when, and in men are different. I've mm-hmm. heard that in men it yep. can be more things like aggression mm-hmm. versus feeling sad. Oh, that
0: that would explain a lot of my youth.
1: But can, do you know more a little bit more about that? I know that's one sign for for example. Well,
0: but but I think I don't think the 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 aggression is the outward sign, right? Because feeling sad, we we're not given the tools on how to express mm-hmm. that, right? And then because you are frustrated. And it's easier to punch things, then so the the aggression is what other people see, Mm. or maybe
1: irritability and
0: yeah, like but you know and 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 it'll vary for um, uh, everybody because I can only speak for myself, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Not liking your lot in the world, right? Uh, And and sort of sort of self hatred and and because you can't get a handle on it, but I'm also young and with like a ton of energy. Um, There was definitely a lot of aggression. Um, And it didn't help that getting in fights, because it turned out like maybe it was distracting and it was physical, and it was all these different (laughs) things we've talked about. Um, And (laughs) I was pretty good at it. So then you would get this positive feedback. Right. So, you know, I apologize to anybody who I headbutted in the face or, you know, any of those things when I was younger. Um, Because it's that kind of thing where if you're fighting, you know, because if you've ever actually been in a real fight, um, there's no distinction from that to fighting for your life. Like the way your brain processes it. And it's easy to not be sad if you're fighting for your life.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I, and I, it, that's sort of one of the things that sort of led into martial arts for me because it was this outlet that you could exercise it. And, and this is stuff where it was, it wasn't like I planned it. It was like more just that dumb guy thing of I do this and both, I'm cool <laughs> and I feel good. Right.
1: And I might get laid.
0: <laughs> well, not the martial arts thing. Uh, that's later. Uh, you know, but it but it, it it's those things where because you don't have a a, a vocabulary to express these things um y- some things would be healthy outlets and then others would be negative outlets um and just like you, you know you get that dopamine from eating the bad food um you know you the, and that's where something like like um counseling or therapy can come in um you know if you were uh sort of experiencing those types of things right um because uh and and with guys you'll you'll there's sort of or i shouldn't say guys just me there were sort of two things there would be either i would disappear like like physically i would you know like i, I would um either disappear off into the woods by myself, or I would sequester myself in my room, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you would isolate yourself, um, or uh, you know, there would be this boisterous uh, physicality, um, and then you know, uh, you you'd basically try to find these different outlets, these little glimpses. Of brightness um, that sort of kept you going Um, so for me it was like almost this pendulum swing of isolation and then um, both positive and negative physicality Mm -hmm. right because I discovered sports and I would get those little uh, you know it's also where my concussions (laughs) came from because when you when you played football wrestled and then played rugby. Um, No young man or woman um, should probably do all three like (laughs) one season right after the other because your head gets fucked up even if you don't, you know, we didn't know back then what we know about traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, you know, that definitely for me um, was both an outlet but it probably didn't help the long-term... Brain, because you know, NFL players, um, you know, they retire and and the suicide rate among them in depression is ridiculously high. And all of the ones when they're autopsied have, or like I think it's like 95% or something like that, have all the signs of like terrible traumatic brain injuries, Um, you know, because it's cumulative.
1: That's interesting. I know somebody who slept and hit their head on a hot tub and. They experienced a had major traumatic head injury that they couldn't, for about a year, get back on their feet, and they experienced so bad depression, so much mm-hmm. yeah. terrible, terrible mm-hmm. depression. It's um, it's interesting because I don't think people are as aware of that.
0: Yeah, for and for sure, guys tend to be because we're more boisterous. Yeah, um, the e- more. Uh, depression because there's sort of like the wiring and, and chemical depression. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that can happen to anybody. Um, you know, but it's such a complex topic. It's like for me, because, uh, I don't know where the chicken and the egg was. Gotcha. Right. Um, you know, cause I, like I remember like a childhood that wasn't great, but, there was parts that were okay, and you know because it's hard to looking back, I know a lot of it was not categorized as healthy <laughs> with my family um but then you run into the thing where uh you know I remember as a kid like jumping my bike across to, you know the creek and uh well i and actually this is a thing where I don't remember it. I remember all the stories people told Mm. me afterwards, which i painted in my own memories because I went to the hospital um, with like a concussion and I spent three days in the hospital. Mm. uh, And I couldn't, like every five minutes I was asking what time it was, Mm. right? Like that was sort of the the first uh, official, you know? But there was all sorts of falling out of trees and all that shit too. So who knows? how much of what i experience now and have experienced in my life is almost self-administered from having my my brain bounced around inside my head so many times gotcha so uh
4: hmm.
0: yeah it's funny because i told when we when we started this episode like beforehand um you know, there was sort of discussion about you know what we're and it's like my thing is like, I'm just going to let it flow. And it's like didn't even consider talking about traumatic brain injuries and and how they relate to depression, even though I am probably the poster child for said <laughs> <laughs> I Like I had an epiphany today. Like I never actually associated the two. Mm. Interesting.
1: That's cool. That's yeah. cool. That was live. Yeah. So
0: you guys are the first uh, people to hear it. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's a thing. Like I'm very optimistic because one of the things oh, actually yeah. I, I didn't end up talking about because um, we're we're sort of reaching the end. We're like a, over an hour and a half now, but one of the other things, and this has been one of the biggest things for me, um is find a purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm, find
1: 100%. a purpose or a meaning. Do something meaningful.
0: What's the same thing? Like something you enjoy. <laughs> well, and, you know? and it's. It's, it's sort of be not just enjoy because there's a sort of a lot of transient things I enjoy, but find a thing that engages you um that that you feel like you know like it like it in in enlights a passion in you mm-hmm. um, because and and something in you know you found something that that sort of touches that part of you when You almost are a little bit obsessive, right? But Mm -hmm. it gives you that feeling like I'm doing something worthwhile. Not just for me, not for, but, um, and it's sort of part of what I feel about doing like this whole project, the podcast Mm -hmm. and the the website and all those things. Because every time I talk to somebody, like there is a transformative power um, to the, the melange that I'm into right because it's exercise it's the outdoors it's adventures it's connections right it's not it's not like go for your backpack and it fixes everything it doesn't but but it's like all of these things kind of work together Mm -hmm. right to uh basically make people like give people the tools to make their lives better
1: more fulfilling
0: right um and because you know very uh, like teaching survival classes or camping classes or guiding trips or all the different things i've done over the years i've seen that that power it has in people right to to my god like it brings them alive um so uh and it's the same thing with like exercise right you get people on a path and give them the tools and you see it change them and right maybe it's they, they feel a little better or they look a little better and then it fuels and it fuels and then it becomes one of these things. It's almost like dropping a pebble in a still pond, right? These ripples, um, flow out because, you know, the, the things you learn in the weight room, right? Like a working hard and consistency and all that kind of thing you carry into the rest of your life. Yep. Um, same thing with you know, the outdoor adventures and, Basically, because of all of that, I uh you know, seeing people kind of activate and come alive,
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, then that gives me kind of that purpose um to even when I'm, you know, uh sort of at down times, because I still run into them, uh you know, I'll go through my self-care checklist and do the things I need to do, but it's the fact that I can make a difference in my, my little way that sometimes keeps me moving forward.
1: You know, I recently um, on Facebook put out my other PSA about live your passion. And people say it all the time. Mm-hmm. Do what you love. But I think what's different here is... I was looking to um, potentially do something different in my career, right? What is that? can't believe I'm saying this on air. (laughs) And that's a a fear. Uh, Anyway, um, but just doing something different, adding some more. And all I knew is that after thinking about it for quite some time, I could not not do something related to adventure and, and this, right? And so... In this little Facebook message or post, I put all the things that I got out of it or what I expected to get out of it and then what I didn't expect. And honestly, doing what you love, even if you're trying to make a big change, right? Um, I knew that, you know what, just do what you love. You start to build skills, you start to meet people, but your life just becomes so much more vibrant. Mm -hmm. It's so good for the soul, doing what you love. Um, you're creative, that's it, the whole process of collaborating. Oh yeah. But you're building on your strengths, right? Um, and for me, it's engaging with others, hearing their story, um, connecting with others who are passionate.
4: That mm-hmm.
1: there's nothing better than that. And then I'm curious, okay, what's your message? Tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> like, this is what I love, like, let's, let's get it out there. And um, it's been so rewarding. Plus, as I've mentioned, you build some skills and you start to realize, shit, I like this area. Mm-hmm. And then take that back to your, your professional life and it helps that. And you come to work and, and you're, and, 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 and to be clear, what I do in my work is a lot of fun. I was just looking for something more, mm-hmm. right? So I come to work, even with that extra kick in my, my, my shoes, my feet, whatever, you know, I'm, that hop in my step. And you've got this energy, right? But at the end of the day, honestly, when i looked at what do i do next and i was describing to my friend um, who's a life coach to help me figure this out i just asked her she was just asking me questions she said who's Catherine?" the number one i said thing i said to her was adventurous Mm
4: -hmm.
1: now i'm not i've never if you compare me to winston and everything he's done his Mm -hmm. whole resume it's not the same but i've always had that spirit
0: yeah but but always now you you've hit on something that that's really important if you want to have self-worth Never compare yourself to anybody else. Yep. Compare yourself to what you used to be. Mhm. Right? Because it, and this is something that I discovered years ago, like just athletically. It's like I've trained for years and then I find like somebody, you know, I've been training but I'm also a coach. Uh, like Miriam Brower's like sort of the perfect example, mm-hmm. right? Because she started training with me because her boyfriend, now husband, trained with me. So it was just like, yeah, you know, it's like she was 17 or 18, you know, just starting university. In her mind, a little pudgy. I just want to be in a little better shape. Well, I train everybody the same, not the same level or anything, but, you know, I have the same process. So I do a fitness test and it's like, um, and this is cycle, you know, cycling. um. And so she's riding a hybrid bike, and it's got like a big poofy seat on it, I mean, you know, but I put a power meter on her bike and heart rate monitor, and you know it's a little lab I got set up and it's like she's never really done any of this shit before, but there's a there's a bit of tryhard in her, uh, you know farm girl uh and it's like, oh, well, um you did really good, like you know da 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 it's like basically. Sort of in an untrained state with no real background, uh, is stronger than a lot of the guys I've been coaching for m- months or years, <laughs> you know. And subsequently, like, uh, she now is aside from like still in university, I think she's working in her master's, uh, been the Ontario champion, uh, I think she's won the Canadian championship, she's she races professionally, <laughs> um you know pan am games right you know and it's a thing it's like she started in the back of my bike shop and i claim no great credit for for where she's gone you know she's had different coaches and things since because she's like uh you know the the hard work part of it like that's her but she also like should thank her parents because she was just a genetic wonder, (laughs) you know, and and mark her boyfriend. Like, I always joked, if they have kids, I get to coach them (laughs) um, because, you know, it's one of those things, the genetics. So it's that idea, like, when you are dealing with, uh, you know, comparisons, you can be proud of your accomplishments if you compare to yourself, but you're going to have people like the Michael Jordans of the world who... Yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. You're never going to be, like, even in the same stratosphere as them. Like, you're not the same species, right? So if you compare yeah. to others, you, you, you're just setting yourself up to be miserable.
1: Fair enough. I, I think, for me, what's really cool, though, is that going back to the adventure, when I think of Catherine, I think of adventure, I'm actually going back to my inner child.
3: Like, mm.
1: Because as a kid, I was super adventurous, You know, like, I was like Miss Indiana Jones-esque, you know, and and wanting to be, um, you know, an explorer. And when I was an exchange student, like I, or when I was in high school, I sought to be an exchange. I did everything independent. I wanted to explore the world. Mm -hmm. And so I really just returned back to my roots of what I loved. And I think that because as we grow society, you know pressures and changes and expectations you go into become a person maybe you're not really meant to be or you want to be so i think that's been the best lesson for me was just to go back to what i loved and and live in your truth essentially and so that's what i'm trying to do because i said earlier um one of my weaknesses is trying to please others not being mm-hmm. good enough so obviously doing this podcast was a complete fear and saying the things that i have is very difficult but i'm saying fuck it This is who I am, and and it's actually paying off. Like it's in ways that are beyond happiness and and it's satisfaction, and it's just yeah, it's amazing.
0: Well, and I think one of the things without
1: wait 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 wait. without expectation, how's that? Yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, Just do what you love
2: and get
0: outside. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So so let let's quickly sum this up. So a couple of tips for for managing anxiety.
3: Couple of tips, Um, breathing, changing your state, that could be getting outside, that could be putting your head in cold water, that could be smells, tastes, whatever it is, those are helpful for anxiety, especially in the moment.
0: Cool. And Eric, what have you found that that has helped you with the social anxiety? Exposure and time. Yeah, exposure therapy. Yeah. You know. Because th- that's, and I think it sort of you, you, you hit on though is voluntarily, right?
2: Yes. You because have to make a conscious decision to put yourself out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can have a, the reward that you did this and you succeeded. Yeah. And because
0: that, and it's funny, like voluntarily confronting your fears gradually gets you over them or it makes them manageable. Mm-hmm having thrown in the deep end without consent in a sense um we'll call that fear rape uh, <laughs> because consent was withheld um actually is what yeah is ptsd yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so people if you want to help people encourage them to take the steps you know and confront their fears and you know Don't throw them in the deep water by the, you know, so we're just saying.
3: Start with something that is the smallest possible step. And I would say the same thing, just general anxiety. Or if you're depressed, look for the smallest, most easiest manageable thing that you can do to take a step forward. Don't go into the deep end. Don't even go to the middle. Like, what's the thing that you almost feel like isn't worth doing because it seems too easy?
0: Consciously slow down your breathing. Mm -hmm. You don't doesn't take any effort to do that. Just, you're like, uh, slow it down, right? Because if you control your breathing, you control your parasympathetic nervous system. That's kind of magic, right? Just redo the, 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 the part that can't think. You can control it.
3: And ideally practice it before you need to use it. Oh yeah, Because yeah. if you're panicking, like you can't think to use these tools. It feels weird to practice them when you're not having anxiety. It's hard. You want to be lazy and not do it. Oh, but it we, really we, helps to yeah. have those patterns ingrained before you need them.
0: And Catherine, a couple tips from you.
1: When confronted with fear, like a climb or anything, just fake it till you make it. I that's how I approach hard climbs like I'm a kid at a playground and it works and uh, Burning off the energy to um, You know put yourself in a different scenario situation burn it off and you always come out feeling much better always Yeah, and and then just lastly just being super aware of looking at inwards look at yourself
0: And and a couple things I would say number one Look after your body both nutritionally and exercise-wise, and that will do a lot to help your brain. Um, And then don't be afraid to um, seek help. You get a mechanic for your car. you, You got a thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, that triggered a thought for me is don't be afraid to even, even if you're not going to go see a therapist, don't be afraid to tell your friends, your family, how you're actually feeling and what you're struggling with. Cause that was a big part for me, keeping it inside, keeping it to myself, wanting to seem like, no, I'm okay. It's fine. I don't want to put pressure on everyone and being frankly afraid of how people would react and what people would think of me because I'm struggling mentally. But I have to say even like part of my story, which we talked about in the last episode was saying on social media, posting a video telling how much I'm struggling or posting a long form text, saying how much I was struggling. And it's terrifying, especially when you're putting it out on social media. These aren't just people who know you directly, like they definitely can judge you. But overwhelmingly, I have not had anyone react negative. And instead, I've heard stories from people I would not expect how they are dealing with the same things and how hearing that you're struggling makes them feel less alone in their struggles. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for me, like that really kicked off kind of getting my mental health and dealing with my anxiety was. And finding purpose, I mean, and making those videos and hearing that both people you know and don't know feel less alone, they feel less like a freak, they feel less broken and a little more normal and more willing to go get help. Like that gave me meaning like nothing else. So, I mean, certainly if you need help, like don't be afraid to go to therapists. I didn't forever. And as soon as my first session was done, I had that feeling like, really? I should have done this a while ago. But I mean, even as far as telling the people around you, whoever you're comfortable with, how you're feeling, and how you're really feeling, you'd be shocked and surprised in the best possible way of the response people will give you. And certainly, everyone can understand those feelings to some degree. So just be open about it. And I mean, that's part of how we reduce the stigma too, right? Like. You need to hear that both the people you expect maybe to be struggling, but also the people who you expect to be these rocks, these people who just accomplish things and seem so tough. Guaranteed, they're under the same kind of pressures. At least at some point, they felt some little bit. And I mean, if you can be that for other people, I mean, if you don't know where to start, there's one place. Telling your story, telling how you're feeling, and just seeing what happens. And from my experiences, I mean, nothing bad has come from it. And it really kind of set me on this path of feeling like I knew who I was again and that I have a purpose in life.
0: Good. Fundamentally is the thing of, one of the biggest things for your mental health is to tell the truth Mm -hmm. and be who you are. Mm -hmm. If you have to live a lie, um, right? If you can't admit, what you are who you are what you like right you i'm gonna use sort of a a, uh not totally applicable analogy but it's one that people would make sense right or hopefully make sense like imagine you live in a totalitarian country right where you can't tell the truth because telling the truth will get you killed um you know take a north korea um That warps a person, Mm -hmm. right? If you have to lie about who you are, um, what you're into, what you like, whatever, you know, like basically that changes your brain um, and not for the positive. Um, So it's one of those things, whether it's telling the truth about how you feel. If somebody asks you now, you know, if it's somebody in a store, oh, how's your day? (laughs) You know, it's sort of that judging the appropriateness of, yeah, you know, because, um, you know, I work retail and <laughs> there, there's, when I say, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, hi, how's it going today? Most people get it and they go, oh, not too bad. How's your day? Right. You know, this social niceties. Um, I have had a few people um, TMI me uh, and it's like, uh, I'm not equipped to help you with that. sort <laughs> um, But, uh, you know, the people in your life, like you're talking yeah. about, you know, it is tell the truth, you know, um, figure out who you are. Right. And because it, one of the things you might not know exactly what your truth is, um, but, you know, when you're lying. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, that that makes such a. a Uh, A difference in who you are right because it's it's hard to figure out exactly what you are and who you are and what you love and all that kind of thing if if the things you're presenting to the world are a lie right and that's that is brutally hard um but it's better than the alternative right because the alternative of, of lying about who you are and what you are and you know corrupts you so uh, on that bright note,
4: <laughs> you know, but but it's the
0: thing. It's like uh, it, it is kind of bright, like just the fact that you know, uh, it it will set you free. The truth, mm-hmm. or you know, as close as you can get to it. And we need to be accepting of everybody's truth.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you know, and it it is one of those things is that you don't have to agree mm-hmm. with somebody, right? You know, uh, because hey, there's there's a whole bunch of terrible, uh, you know, kind of opinions and views out there, um, but it's one of those things of of being able to then at least have a conversation with people, um, and yeah, so
1: wow, I think Great that was conversation.
0: pretty. I think so. Yeah. So until okay. next time,
1: I'm Catherine.
0: I'm Winston. I'm Melissa. I'm Eric. Work and hard. yeah, did you say work hard? And work hard. And play dirty.
3: <laughs> Bye.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>